0: First Corinthians, um, 10 and 4. Is that where we are? First Corinthians, right? Um, Second
1: Corinthians.
0: That's where we are. Second Corinthians. And uh, it's been a great time talking about all these things. Um, I've had. I guess I would. I would say that um, it's been um, just a blessing to me personally to look at uh, each of these scriptures um, and deal with what they're talking about, and what they mean. Um, and so we're going to go right back there, Second Corinthians 10 and 4, 2 Corinthians 10
2: and
0: 4, uh, 10 and 3. Um, I'm thinking we'll probably, I don't know, I always said this, but uh, I'm thinking that this would be the last of this particular series. Um, so if you take your notes, notes I need you to um, get your pad pencil, Even uh, a little further. A little further, a little further. All right. right, Second Corinthians 10 and 4, 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. Well, we can start at verse 3 um, because it kind of sets us up. It says, for though we walk or live in the flesh, we're not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere weapons. I love that. For so although we walk in the flesh, and uh, you know we we all live in the flesh, um, there's no way we can, you know, live as if we're living um, in heaven. You know, and everything is not going to be speaking in tongues and and all that kind of stuff all the time. We walk in the flesh. (laughs) Um, So at some point, we're going to have to regroup. At some point, we're going to have to repent. Yeah, even you, not just your spouse, (laughs) not just everybody else, but even you, God bless your heart, are going to be wrong sometime. (laughs) Even you, are going to uh, have to repent, have to say, I'm sorry, um, because we walk in the flesh. And nobody that's in the flesh is always prayed up, is always ready for everything that's happening, is always um, prepared for the things that that life brings to you. I think it's a, I don't know which insurance commercial, auto insurance commercial, but it says life comes at you fast. Life comes at you fast, and sometimes it does. And so there are things, of course, we've talked about. Many times our spouse is going through, has nothing to do with us. Um, There are things that are happening to them if they work, they have it has nothing to do with you and they may come on trips and it may be something going on at the job there all of us are getting older we age as we age we go through different transitions hormonally physiologically mentally um things happen of course the world talks about midlife crises and it's all that stuff and and I don't believe that you have to go through that as a Christian. Um, I I mean, uh, the world talks about menopause for women, and uh, I think, you know, a lot of that is physical, physiological. that will not be avoided, but I think even through prayer and um, being prepared that a lot of those negative elements associated with menopause can be avoided. But needless to say there are things happening to your spouse that has nothing to do with you and many times is not their fault. Um, things have happened to them, um, things that they didn't bring on themselves that have affected them, things are happening to them that are affecting them. And, Um, So you have to deal with that. When you get married, (laughs) I tell people all the time, when you get married, you are signing up for problems. (laughs) Um, Marriage means problems. Anytime you bring another person into your space, there's a potential for problems. always problems when it uh, pertains to bringing other people in Um, The most intimate relationship on earth is between the husband and the wife, wife and her husband. And so there's going to be problems. You just automatically know that. Two people, God (laughs) created, you know, in a perfect environment, a man and a woman, perfect with no sin, no curse on the land, no curse on men and women, no generational curses, uh you know, no history of diabetes and anger problems and cancers and none of that stuff. In a perfect environment, two people came together and God created from scratch and there was problems. <laughs> they had two children and there was more problem. One killed the other. And so when you get married, you're signing up for problems. When you have children, there's more problems because you got more people. You're producing more people, so it's going to produce more problems. So best thing to do in marriage, <clears throat> even before you get married, which is called good premarital counseling, which we believe in at our church, <laughs> Um best thing to do to preempt problems is to become a problem solver to understand first of all that you're going to have some uh, there's not all the joy and the bliss and all the things to look forward to when you get married and of course I guess if people thought about all the problems they probably would never get married so God comes, he kind of blinds us <laughs> at different points like getting saved you know I want all my sins removed. I want all my burdens lifted. Yeah, you're going to do all of that. At the same time, you're going to gain a new enemy called the devil. (laughs) You're going to have to be putting on armor and using swords because you're going to be in warfare. Warfare, what's all it is? Well, that's what you signed up for when you became a Christian. (laughs) It's like joining the army, you know. Be all you can be. Yeah, you can. where do you want to go? Where do you want to go anywhere? You ever want to travel? Yeah, where do you want to travel? Oh, I always wanted to go there. Okay. We're to Waikiki Beach. Okay, we'll probably let you go there. Where else you want to Hawaii, okay. Well, where, where else? The Virgin Islands, okay. And they tell you all the good stuff. We're going to pay for your schooling, and we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And well, all of a sudden, <laughs> you just signed up for the reserves. That was the a model. Uh, we need you to report so and so, well, you're gonna be deployed to Iraq. What hey, wait wait a minute. What? Well, I thought we were traveling and paying for school. Yeah, yeah, you signed up for the army. You didn't know you signed up for the army? But, but yeah, I just signed up for the for the school, just reserves, you know, weekends and you're gonna pay for the school and uh I get the, the, v, the V-A-G-I loan on my house, and, and, and yeah, 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 yeah. we're going to travel. Yeah, you don't do all that. But we're getting ready to deploy you to Afghanistan because we're at war. <laughs> Sometimes it seems like that's what Christians figure out. That's what married people figure out. Yes, there is a war. There's a war going on. So, <laughs> Scripture says, the weapons of our warfare are not come. <clears throat> Verse 3, for though we walk live in the flesh. We are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere weapons, okay? So, yes, we walk in the flesh, um, but there is a warfare going on that's beyond the flesh. Verse 4, verse 4, I love this scripture. It is so powerful. For the weapons of our warfare are not normal. They're not fleshly, but are mighty through God, to the pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high feeling of the itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay. Now, we just gave everybody, and there's seven people on the line. I mean, it's not like two, two people. So and we got people all across the country on the line right now. Um, So I just give everybody an opportunity at the beginning like we do every week, say something good about your marriage, something good about your home. Um, And I can tell you the number one reason why, many of you couldn't or wouldn't, and some of you guys don't know, I understand that, but some of those of you guys have been on here. um, Well, something else has your thought process. Um, I heard a guy say this And this made so much sense He said Your focus determines Your feelings You know um, Maybe on your wedding day You really felt good about your spouse Like oh she's so beautiful Walking down the house You know fast 14 years later oh, Here she comes I don't want to get her mouth You know <laughs> Same woman uh, different feelings, because uh, your focus creates your feelings. Um, oh, look at him. He's so handsome. He's standing right there down the aisle, waiting there, you know, to meet me or uh, when he proposed, you know. Oh, you got that do know. It was so amazing. You know, he's telling everybody. Telling your mom, your sisters, telling all your girlfriends. were it was so man, You know, he took me to the Olive Garden, and then he brought me a cupcake, and the ring was in the middle of a cupcake, and it was just so... Uh, Ten years later, talking to the same people, your mom, and your sister. I can't believe you. Let me tell you what else you did. Doggone, it ain't worth a nickel. <laughs> <You know? laughs> same person, different focus. I guarantee you the thing that you are displeased with your spouse about was present in your spouse when you got married to a certain degree. It may have lied dormant, it was there. You may have noticed some of that stuff, but you want to focus on that. What you focus on determines what you think and what you think determines how you feel. It's very simple. Um I say uh, cheesecake factory, unless you was cheesecake you probably start smiling. If I say um Breaking up leaves and doing you work on a hot day, you get a different feeling. Like, uh, I ain't ready to do this. If I say, um, doing a long tax form for the IRS yourself, itemizing everything, <laughs> and running your own tax numbers, you probably get another feeling. If I say, um, vacation in Hawaii, you get another feeling, and so what you focus on determines what you think. What you think determines your feelings. So we talked about last week, and if you have not listened to the week prior to this, why my spouse is tripping? I think we're on part seven. You need to go back and listen. Last week we talked about every um, what we talk about the high thing, yeah, um, every high thing that results itself in Casting down imagination, the weapons of our warfare in our car, but our to God through the pulling down strongholds. Casting down. So our weapons helps us to cast down, pull down strongholds, cast down imaginations. We talked about that. And every high thing, the high thought, and we talked about that. What What is popular in our world, is in our culture, that comes against marriage. That's the high thing. And we talked about how. Uh, our weapons, we'll even pull that now. It's powerful um, when you actually start using the weapons God has given us. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I want to talk about that in the last phrase. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How do you bring thoughts captive? And then, why do thoughts have to be brought captive? Because, of course, everything I think has to be legitimate, right?
1: Uh-huh.
0: Let me ask you this Have you ever had a thought that was wrong? I'm talking about you obsessed about it, you knew you were right, you knew that you had the truth, that you had figured it out, blah, 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 bleep, and you were dead wrong, dead wrong. Okay, here's an example. <laughs> How many of you guys have ever had your boss text you or leave you a voicemail or something like that and say, um, hey, I need you to come to my office. I want to talk to you. I need to talk to you. All right, now, when your boss says that, <laughs> Most of us are not thinking good thoughts. We are thinking about oh man. He found out I left five minutes early last week when she was gone. He found out I didn't finish a report on time. She must she oh, she must be oh ooh ooh ooh. Oh, she must be talking about uh yeah. I made an off color remark to somebody they got offended and Oh, man. So then now your thoughts, your thoughts run away with you. Now you're thinking everything under the sun wrong, and it's always negative. Seems like our thoughts always just default negative, you know.
2: Hey, Pastor might be on mute. Guys, hold on.
3: We can't hear you. Hold on just a minute, everyone. The host has joined the conference.
0: I'm sorry, but depending on um, the timeline that you have between the time you're about to say, I want to talk to you, and the extra time, (laughs) I mean, your thoughts can run crazy, all right? and you've already seen your pink slip, you've seen uh, I'm getting ready to be fired or demoted or I'm about to deal with some mess. And then a lot of times it's nothing, you know, or they'll call you in and say, hey, I just wanted to commend you for the job you Or, hey, hey, I wanted to ask you, are you available to work on or whatever? But your thoughts have ran away with you. Now, here's the thing. When your thoughts do that, we never think, okay, maybe my mind is unreliable. (laughs) Maybe my mind is unreliable as a standard or as a resource all the time. Because every time when you deal with your spouse or something like that, you think your thoughts are the gospel truth. I couldn't be wrong. I know I'm right. How do you know? You've been wrong so many times before. They're wrong. And if we be honest, but when we're dead wrong, we never put that in our file cabinet against our own mind. We never go, oh, man, my mind is getting unreliable. We we go, well, that was just a mistake, but I know I'm right. <laughs> you know? No, you're wrong a lot of times. A lot of times you're suspicious about stuff with people and it turns out to be totally untrue. Um, You think one way about something, it's going to turn out like this, and it didn't turn out like that. It turned out totally different. And so here's all I'm trying to prove is your thoughts are not the standard. Your thoughts is, is not the gospel. You can think stuff that's absolutely wrong. And so, What should be the standard? The standard should be the word of God. What does the word of God say about your spouse? What does the word of God say about your marriage? What does the word of God say about your role in the marriage? What does the word of God say about your husband's role in the marriage? Whatever the word of God says is what you ought to be believing and what you ought to be thinking about and what you ought to be saying. So the Bible says that uh, in this passage that you can bring captive thoughts. Now the thing is guys, you know, to bring up our captive, number one, you've got to be able to admit that all thoughts, all of your thoughts are not right. That I'm not right sometimes. <laughs> and that's a hard thing to admit to yourself. But you know, you're not always right. Um, you know, I heard Joe said these years ago, and it's true. Um, I think I'm right, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I could be dead wrong. But I think I'm right. But I could be dead wrong. But I think I'm right. But 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 I could be dead wrong. But I think I'm so right. I think I'm 100 percent right. But I could be dead wrong. Okay. So here's what this word means: captivity. Captivity to make captives to lead away to bring captives to bring under control as if a prisoner of war. So sometimes you've got to imprison, you've got to imprison your own thoughts. Now this is the opposite. Okay, remember when we talked about strongholds? A demonic stronghold is is a fortified place that protects a thought. You know, have you ever thought about the difference between a fort and a prison? There's not much difference in it except the utility of it. For instance, a stronghold is trying to keep others from coming in. A prison is when you try to keep it from getting out. <laughs> so You have a thought. It's the wrong thought. It's a negative thought. You know it's the wrong thought because the Word of God, you've got the Word of God, and that's why I cannot stress enough to get in the Word of God. Okay, watch this. How do I read the Word? Okay, if you have not started reading the Bible, guess what? Start with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I usually tell people to start with the Book of Mark because it's the shortest book of all the Gospels, 16 chapters Start you off right into action. Read the book of Mark as fast as you can. Then read it again. Then read the book of St. John as fast as you can. Then read it again. Then go back and read Matthew. Then go back and read Luke. And just start off with the gospel so you'll know what Christ was about and what what he stood for. Okay? And so read the word of God so that you'll know what the word of God says. As far as marriage is concerned, you know I would I would read First um, Corinthians chapter six, chapter seven, Ephesians chapter five, chapter six, First um, and Second Peter, both, both of those books entirely, and and find out what you're supposed to be doing, and who you are. As far as loving your spouse, you read First Corinthians thirteen. Read it in the Amplified because it really expands on those ideas of charity suffers long. Well, amplifier says love suffers long and it's kind. Okay? And so it, it really expands out those ideas. And so you, you, you know after you've read the word, after you've gotten the word in you, after you've listened to good, strong teaching like we do on Saturday mornings on this line, you'll know what the word says versus what your thought patterns say. Now, carnal mind, the Bible says, the carnal mind, the carnal mind is the enemy of God. So here's what you've got to understand, okay? Some of your thoughts are in combat with the word of God. Some of your thoughts are the enemy of God, and I know uh, many of us don't see our mind as working like that, okay? But turn over to Romans chapter 8, verse 7. I can show, show you this better than I can quote it to you. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 7, it says, because the, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Listen to this. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither can be. Look at those okay. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Ooh, I'm going to go back. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God. So there are thoughts that come to your mind that aren't even subject to the law. And, and if you're not careful, right in the middle of something, the word of God would come up or somebody would bring the word of God, I don't care, I don't care what see has to call to mind? the mind. Because the carnal mind don't care what the word says. The carnal mind doesn't care what God says. The carnal mind is not subject or submitted to the law of God. Neither can be. Neither can be. Your kind of mind will never, uh, and, and not only your kind of mind and current mind, but also the current kind of mind of your mama, the current kind of mind of your sister, the kind of mind of your friends, the current kind of mind of your coworkers at work, the current kind of mind of your uncle, uh, the current kind of mind of your daddy. All right? Colonel kind of minds, none of them can be subject to to the things of God. They were all the in, in, enemy of God. So here's the thing. Where do dogs come from? Sometimes they come from us, I do Sometimes they come from other people. By suggestion. So many marriages have ended with this. You heard if I was you? Oh Lord. Hi, well right, bro, bro, let me tell you how to handle her. <laughs> Barbershop talk. So I hear some as needless, I mean, wrong advice and information in the barbershop. Men sitting around talking about how to handle their women and you know, not always their wives and talking to girls for you or whatever. But it's so funny. The advice you see being or ex- hear uh, here being exchanged by folks who don't know nothing what they're talking about. Couldn't even spell one if you gave it to them on Saturday. Try to tell some other man what they can do if they want. Where does that come from? Well, we already said it. Media. Yeah. Tyler Perry's movie. Good God of mine. I mean, really, if you are basing your marriage and relationship on TV and reality shows and letting movies and uh, just all this garbage even suggest thoughts to you and you're not casting them down? Man you're making a you're making a mistake. Alright? The Bible says the rebels of our warfare are not common but mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down imaginations, and every other thing that is all itself against the magic God Bring it into captivity, every thought, to the obedience of Christ. You've got to learn to bring thoughts into captivity, especially negative thoughts about your spouse. Do not, do not, do not add negative thoughts about your marriage or negative thoughts about marriage in general. Do not even, um, don't, don't even give them space in your brain. Don't give them hard hard drive space. Do not entertain them at all. I don't care where they come from. When we were when we were first married, um, you know, we all we both had a well, was not DVDs back then. <laughs> Man, because we get old, Jenny. Back when we first got married, you know, we had a. Video collection, VCR, VCR. So we had VCR tapes and stuff. And we had music, and um, and that was before, you know, even before I had the revelation on secular music and all those things. But I remember, you know, after we had the adultery talk, which was like the first conversation we had, the first real conversation we had, first real meeting we had, and I advised. Couples to have meetings, you have meetings on your job, you have meetings um, for everything else, church meetings, club meetings, you know, organization meetings. Well, the greatest organization in your life is your marriage and your family. It is an institution instituted by God, and so there's business that has to be taken care of, and so you should have meetings. (laughs) I just believe it. I mean, you get a family, we got six people, we have to have family meetings. And then sometimes I have to have individual meetings with each of my kids, and we sit down and we, we, we're going to meet, we're going to have a meeting. So whether you do it formally or informally, you should be meeting with your spouse on the regular basis, not just arguing or hollering and stuff, for the time that you guys sit down. Well, one of the first meetings we had had to do with adultery and how we were um prevent that from happening or creeping into our marriage. We've been pretty successful. We've been successful 100% over the last 21 years going into our 22nd year of marriage. However, during that time, we had videos. I had video, a video collection, and some of my favorite movies um, had to do with Adultery, you had an adulterous scene. Um, and at that time, one of my favorite movies was uh, a movie called The Woman in Red. And Jean uh, Wilder in it, and I forget the woman's name, I think her name is Kelly McBride. She was a, yes, yeah, she was a uh, uh, high-fashion model, and she was in several movies. And, uh, and then Steve, the movie was just funny all the way through, and I liked it. Well, when we got married, we started talking about adultery stuff and how serious we were against it. I knew, man, you got to get rid of that movie. You can't be sitting up watching a movie about a man. I mean, in all terms of the movie, what made it funny was he loved his wife, he was a family man with children. He was going through midlife crisis, and so uh, so he was born. He was nothing born and all this stuff. Then he he met this supermodel, which is Carol Jenner, and uh, she kept flirting with him and this and that. And so he he uh, began to change himself, and and and, and as well I had friends, I had friends that was giving them bad advice <laughs> ejecting thoughts bad advice becomes thoughts that you have to uh, bring captive. <laughs> that's all it becomes because when somebody says something to you and that's why the Bible says blessed is the man that sits not in the counsel of the ungodly don't sit up and just let people dump crazy stuff on you about your spouse and about your marriage like Sometimes you just going to have to get up and leave or tell them to get up and leave or hang up the phone or say, hey, mom, I'm not going to let you talk to me like that about my wife. Hey, mom, I'm not going to let you talk to me about my husband like this. You know, now stop people. Because once that information gets out and it gets into your brain, now you're going to have to deal with it at another time because it's going to come up again. And when it comes up again, if you do not uh, bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ, then you're going to begin acting out some of those things that they said. But anyway, the man was telling me this, man, this is what you do, blah, blah, blah. You got to change your look. You got to do this. So he went out and got his hair permed. He didn't got not all these different clothes. He started acting different. And his wife was like, baby, what's wrong with you, you know? Anyway, he never really cheated. I mean, he got in the bed with the girls, kind of almost like the Chris Rock movie. I think I love my wife, you know, he never actually consummated the act, but it was all the stuff leading up to the act and and all of that. So common sense says get rid of that. Because that's gonna feed an adultery seed in you if you keep watching it over and over. Can't imagine how many people on the line in couple, especially black America, and lost temptation over and over and over and over, you know, the Calipari movie. That's, like, the dumbest thing to do. Why would you do that? Anyway, so, um, that time, you know, we had secular music, a uh, popular song, a girl, I think she turned Christian out, Shirley Murdoch, As We Lay. That song was about adultery. uh So, you get it. Yeah. When you use this song, say, well, I love you. That song's about a good song. We went to, we just had a weed out Everybody. Why? Because if you continue to feed certain thoughts, they grow. And our job is to bring captives. Our job is to bring captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Bring it captive, Not continue to feed it. And I know some of us go. Well, I'm strong enough. I'm, no, you're not. Your mind is not strong enough. The Bible just told us the carnal mind is enmity, is the enemy of God, cannot be subject to the things of God. And then, if you walk walking in the flesh, you are not pleasing God. Point, 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 point. Plain and simple, you cannot feed your mind crazy stuff. And expect righteousness to come out. Your mind is like a computer. I've known you very good several times. What you put in, you know. I can't be listening. And I don't know what you're to can't be listening to in my generation. Can you listen to R. Kelly, 12-play, 6-play, all that stuff? You know, <laughs> and tell my, I'm going to be faithful to my way. I cannot just continue to listen to that stuff. I can't keep, continue to watch on television? A nonsense. At some point, I've got to guard my mind. Okay? The Scripture the Proverbs says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it goes to of life." Guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? You guard your heart by guarding your mind. How do you guard your mind? Well, you guard your mind by guarding your eye gate and your ear gate, what you're seeing, what you're to, to. And then what you're saying becomes what you're hearing, because it goes back in your ears. So how do you bring the five chapters? Real simple. Uh, number one, um, the best thing to do is not to feed it once the thought comes. If you know
1: it's not of God, you dismiss it. Uh, I will openly say things I have in the past,
0: uh, people have said, you know, was sort like family members or something. Um, Sometimes it wasn't, but, you know, family members would say something negative about marriage or about my marriage or about my wife, and I would openly rebuke that. If I feel it's necessary most of the time, I do feel it's necessary. Uh, no, that's wrong. No, I counsel that. No, you're not speaking that over my my wife and my marriage. Maybe that's the marriage that you knew, but not mine. In particular, really, we have children. People just seem like they just want to speak stuff over your children all the time and say different things. And I said, no, 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 we can for that. That's not what's going to happen in our child's case. And so <clears throat> the best way to bring a thought captive is to speak out against it. Uh, sometimes um, the devil, the enemy, is actually talking through somebody. If you look at the, uh, if you look at the passage about Job, this is a very revealing passage because at the beginning of the passage, we see Satan and God, God having a conversation with with Satan, and then Satan says. If you do all these things to Job, if you allow me to do all these things to Job, he will curse you to your face. This was the devil's intent, that Job cursed God, right? So then Job doesn't know this. He's not privy to any information about the devil. He he never knew about the devil. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, there was really no real revelation about Satan. So Satan was doing stuff, and he was undetected. The revelation came when light showed up because the world was in darkness. They couldn't see what was going on in the spirit realm. But when light showed up, named Jesus Christ, hallelujah, soon as he shows up under the anointing, the devil start talking to him. The devil start being revealed constantly. Uh, you'll see that over in the first chapter of the book of Mark. This is the first time that devils openly begin to talk out in front of people and reveal themselves when Jesus shows up. Well, in the book of Job, Job had no revelation of Satan or anything. But um, God allowed the devil for uh, his own purposes uh, to put these sicknesses and things on Job. And then you'll see a couple of chapters later that at his lowest point, his wife says, why don't you curse God and die? Well, where did that come from? It didn't come from his wife. You see? She she didn't think of it. However, it was interjected as a thought. Now, had she brought that thought captive to the obedience of what she already knew about God, she'd have never spoke it out of her mouth. But she didn't bring it captive. And so it came out of her mouth. And so you see what the devil planned for Job to do in the first chapter of the book of Job, it comes out of his wife's mouth a couple of chapters later because the devil, he can't really do much on his own. He has to use people. And so what he does is he interjects thoughts. And the people are, are weak, and some of my family members that have said wrong things, they weren't wicked, they weren't, you know, malicious against me or my wife or something, but they were just weak. And they allowed the devil to interject us all. And because they were carnal-minded, because the carnal mind is an enemy enemy with God anyway, so when you find carnal people, that's right, you don't need to hang out with the wine-cooler Christian folk. Well, it's all right to have a wine-cooler. It's all right to do the wobble. It's all right to teach your daughter to do, to do the twerk. It's, right. it's, right. it's all right to go to the... Whatever concert, you know, Nicki Minaj, it's okay. You know, the carnal Christian. Because they not they don't ever listen to them about anything spiritual because they think mom is, the, is the enemy of God. They don't know nothing to tell you right. And so the devil can all those kind of people. And so when he did, I spoke out against it. And then you'll notice that Job did the same thing. When his wife told him to curse God and die, he had something to say about it, and basically he canceled out what she said. So when you bring in the thought captive, number one, you don't have to speak out against it. And I know this may seem even odder odd to some of y'all, but sometimes it don't even come from a person; it comes from your own mind. <laughs> I mean, it's inner conversations that you're having. And I will admit to it, I'll own up to it, that sometimes I've had to rebuke my own self (laughs) because your spoken word is stronger than the unspoken word. So thoughts are coming in my mind, and i say, "Uh uh-uh, no, devil. No, devil, I don't think that about my wife. I love my wife. as Christ. Love the church. Speak it out. You bring that thought captive to the word of God. And when you know the word, you can say, no devil, and then say, it is written. Jesus did the same thing. I don't know how much of what happened when Jesus was in the wilderness was what was going on in his mind or whether Satan was actually incarnate in some way that he was seeing him and, and talking to him, you know, because most of the time we don't, Satan don't show up on our bed you know, on the end of the bed, talking to us on our shoulders, like they they, they show in the cartoons, it's just in our mind. But whenever the devil made a suggestion to to Christ, he said, "No, devil! It is written." He countered the thought. He brought the thought captive by knowing what the Word of God said, and and and. Accurately stating it, and so then the devil got sleep. He tried to use the word of God against Jesus, but here's the thing: he was inaccurate with the word of God. And sometimes the devil would—I mean, especially those of you who do know the word a little and are a little spiritual—he'll try to flip the word around on you to make you say some things or think some things against your spouse. But Jesus knew the word of God accurately. Actually, he was the word. In the beginning, was the word the word was God. The word was God. So, I mean, you how are you gonna twist up the word talking to the word? <laughs> so, he accurately requoted the word that the devil tried to quote to him. And you know, this is how you're gonna to have to bring those thoughts captive. Every thought. The Bible says every thought can be brought captive. So, you know what that means? That means you need to learn a lot of words. That means Dancing with the Stars can wait. That means Keeping Up with the Kardashians can wait, and all of those junk you shouldn't be watching anyway. And you got to spend some time. for That means I can't watch four or five uh, college football games today. That's three dollars a piece. That's eight nine hours on my mind. I could be getting word in me because that ain't gonna help my marriage. Okay, so you have to invest some time. Getting in the Word and building your mind up in the Word so that when erroneous thoughts come from your carnal mind, and everybody has a carnal mind, so don't don't think you don't have one. Well, he said a carnal mind is you give God. Well, shoot, that's easy. I don't have a carnal mind. No, you do. Everybody does. Paul even said he did. Okay? You got a carnal mind. But you just need to keep those thoughts captive. You need to keep the carnal mind famished, unfed, hungry. Put your carnal mind on a fast. (laughs) You know, starve them out. Don't feed them. Because if you continue to feed that carnal mind, carnal mind, carnal mind. You know, we talked about last week. You know, get that thought. You know. I wonder what it would be like to have a threesome. <laughs> keep did Then you see something on HBO talking about how to get your spouse to greet your threesome. And then some song come out. I'm sure some know R&B talking about it. And you keep listening to over and over. Then now you done found a couple of websites. Now you done downloaded a book on your Kindle. About uh, menage a twis, all right? I mean, man, you keep feeding that stuff, and one day you gonna get up the courage to say something stupid, something stupid to your wife, like, "Hey, baby, what you think about a threesome?" And go get all the black slap off your skin, because <laughs> women they be like, "Thanks, Lord, for that," you know. But you can't. <laughs> it all comes back to you fed that thought over and over and over. You cannot feed those thoughts. you got to bring those thoughts into captivity. I don't care where they come from. I don't care if they are the high thought in society, what everybody's doing. I don't care if they come from your mama, your daddy, your granny. <laughs> I used to say when I was growing up. Um, I don't care where it comes from. Your uncle, your friends, TV, radio, music, internet, Facebook, I don't care where it comes from. You make all thoughts subject to the word of God. and Anything that goes against God and his word, you bring it captive. You make it a prisoner. You keep him from getting out. How do you do that? By meditating on the word, by speaking the word. By not letting that thing ever come out of your mouth. I'm not talking to Don't talk to no, Talking to your buddy. Hey Amen. What would you think about a Man, What's your wife? Don't stop. You're feeding it right there. You just started. And you already know that that's against the word of God. And if you don't know it's against the word of God, then, buddy, you need to really get into the word. I mean, you already know it. I mean, that's what makes you so attractive because it's so wrong. How can something so wrong feel so right? It feels so right. Uh, That's the devil. (laughs) So all this inner work has to go on for us to be able to maintain our own spirit. See, it all goes back to your spiritual growth is you're responsible for it. It's individual. You know, your wife is not responsible for making you happy, brother. Sister, your husband is not responsible for keeping you and making you happy. You are responsible to God for your own relationship, and I guarantee you if you uh, build that relationship with God, with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you, no matter what your spouse is doing, you can maintain joy and help them through their mess, you know? But you got to bring thoughts captive. How? I speak in the word of God. Speaking the word of God. And uh, I've just come to know it like my wife, you know. (laughs) Sometimes, just recently, she sent me a text that said, um, I thank God for you and the man of God that you're becoming and, and what God is doing with you and I kinda the privilege to be in a marriage now when, when I I know when she starts she must be battling some thoughts like that joke ain't worth the quarter. Like I done did something. <laughs> but she's mature enough not to speak those things out that she's thinking she speaks the counter. I thank God for you because you are the man that God has given
2: for our house
0: and blah blah blah. Well, she's speaking the word, not what she thinks, not what, I not reacting to what I just did that made her mad. She's bringing those thoughts captive and overcoming them by speaking the word, speaking the word. So here's the last plug for the first three minutes of the marriage call, which is telling me something good, even if you feel like, I ain't really got nothing good to say, guess what? Counter that thought by speaking something good anyway. If you can't do nothing but speak what the word says, speak the word. Speak the word over them. Speak the word to them. Speak the word over them in their absence. Speak the word about them in their absence to your family and friends. Speak the word. And if it's not actual what what you're speaking at the moment, you'll be surprised. The more you speak it, the more actual it will become. And then you won't have to be speaking the word no more. You just speak what actually is happening. (laughs) But if you can't speak what's actually happening in the positive, if what's actually happening is negative, speak the word, and that's positive. And speaking the word is going to bring those thoughts captures. And also, because there's power in words, Jesus said, Whosoever shall say unto the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things that they say, that he said, he shall have whatsoever he said. So you begin to speak those things, and you begin to believe those things you speak. You have them. You have them. I bless you guys today. Any comments or questions? Comments or questions today? Jaina.
3: Take us out. Any last comments and prayers? Uh, yeah, I um, I first wanted to say uh, that when that text that you were talking about, I actually believe that <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wasn't. saying
3: <finished. laughs> <laughs> I just said it because I was uh something else. I uh. I mean, we've been married a long time, and so um, I've kind of got a clue of God's plan for us, and I've got a clue of the devil's plan, and I believe God's plan for us. And so that's why I really believe what I sent.
0: <laughs> well, but, bless your heart, baby. You know, <laughs> it keep me in my P's and Q's either way. <laughs> like, I better do right. But thank you. Anything
2: else? Yeah. Hey, uh, brother
1: Roger. I, I got something. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going
4: go to um, say that um that this was this is really good teaching for somebody, especially who lives in their head. Like I live, I could live in my head a lot, and I like I used to love to daydream, still do, and so um, that's something that. I had been working on for a long time, and um, my husband and I have been watching a lot of Bible movies, just turning the world off and turning God on three times over. And we were watching Abraham, and two things stu- stu- stood out to me, and I still use it to this day, and it helps me a lot. And there was a part where Abraham was talking to his son, and he said, "Choose, you know, choose the lamb that you love the most. And he said, okay, now kill it. And do it quickly, and then Abraham said that this that this will increase your faith, and that just stood out to me and, um so much not just the, about the fact that you got to do it quickly, but sometimes I'd be like, man, I know I can't be thinking like this, but I just think like this one more time, and then that's it. But I've been doing it quickly, and then the second thing that stood out for me was um, when um, Sarah was laughing at the thought of her. Um, having a child, and then the angel asked her, is there anything that's too hard for God? And these are things that I've read over and over and over and over again in my life, and you know, but sometimes something just clicks with you. And so every, every single morning, whatever it is that I'm struggling with, I just offer it up to God, and I do it quickly, and I just ask, is there anything too hard for God? And I always say no, and I just move on faith, and that's what's been helping me a lot. So just tying that into the stronghold pieces, I was I thought the teaching
0: today was really good. All right. Praise God. Somebody else?
2: Hey, Pastor Rundy.
0: Yeah, go ahead.
2: Hey, this is, uh, this is Pastor James in Dallas. I just wanted to tell you a uh, great job, great lesson. I didn't get to hear it all. But oh,
0: so. man. Hold up, man. <laughs> He's Y'all, this is uh this is Arthur James. He was actually the best man in my wedding. He's a mega church pastor in Dallas. <laughs> and, uh, and man, we go way back. We were in college together. And um, I mean, just man, if I knew you was on the line, I'd have let you do the teaching, man.
2: Oh, man, I just wanted to tell you a great job and, and to just share uh, as transparent as I can that all of us have to wrestle, as you said, with uh, thoughts. And the biggest thing that uh, has carried uh, me through personally is the fact that, uh, as 1 Corinthians um, 10 says, uh, first or 2nd, it's, sec- it's in Corinthians chapter 10, uh, uh, the scripture you were talking about taking captive those thoughts. And the more we do that, man, that's, uh, the the better we're going to be in a position to keep our minds on what sort of things are lovely and pure and true. And so I just wanted to let your people know that they are blessed by having you and Lady Gina to share the word of God in a bold way in these last days in which we're living in. So keep up the good work, man, of God, and that encouraged me to uh, retrace and train my thoughts as well. So thank you.
0: Man, it's such an honor to have you on the line, brother. Uh, thank you. Thank you for being on, man. Thank you for being on. Anybody else? Hello? Yes.
1: Uh, um, I have a question. I don't know if it goes along with uh, marriage, but um, the question that I have is, um, if a, if somebody confronts you and about what you do, and it is it 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 just it, it does establish that you did something wrong. Where, for example, if you had stolen something and said and that your your friend or another person in the church, then you know what you did was wrong. You are a thief, and you're trying to, in the middle of that, you're trying to move on, you're trying to to grow from that. How much of people's truth about you do you take for yourself? Like how much do you, what is considered warranted and unwarranted?
0: Uh, uh, I I, I love that question. That is is an excellent question. And I, I understand exactly what you're saying, like, for instance, you said, you know, you're confronted, you admitted to it, but then uh, people try to hold you to, they try to make what you did who you are, so to speak. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, here's the thing, <laughs> and we got Bible. Um, and that, that that is a powerful question for marriage, too, because when you've been married, a long time. I mean, if you've been married over a year, you got history with your partner, you know, with your spouse. So uh your spouse is not the same person they were a year ago when you got married. You know, if you just married them. They they're different now a year later. And so uh many times people go all the way back or they go back, you know, and you did this or you did that and it's the same and it's not well um, I love your question because it, it, I mean, it's so dynamic in the question because there's so there's so many parts to that. But the the simplest way to answer it is the Bible says if you confess your faults, um, he's faithful and just to forgive you, okay, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, here's the thing. When, 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 um, when you've done something, uh, you've got a responsibility to God, and then you've got a responsibility to the people that that you may have injured. Um, God will forgive you, and He will cleanse you. He's faithful to do that, no matter what you've done. However, when you're dealing with people, um, there may be retribution that's due. For instance, if I damaged something or if I did steal something or whatever, then either I replace it, I bring it back, or I work, all, I work it off, or I pay it back or whatever. Um, and so there is there is a responsibility many times to people. For instance, you know, as a pastor, <laughs> and we've seen pastors fall and stuff like that, and, you know, maybe get caught in adultery or some money scandal or something. Okay. Well, immediately when they repent to God, God forgives them um, because He promised that He would; He's faithful to do that. However, <laughs> um, they owe retribution to their congregation. People have trusted them; they, owe, they I mean, they they owe something, and they, and, and they can't say, Well all took owe is God." Only God can judge me. No, <laughs> because of the position that they took on they are responsible to that group of people. So um, many times what I find appropriate is they submit to church discipline themselves. Um, Hopefully they have some other pastors over them or some other body that kind of governs them. And so, you know, this is what I'm going to do because of what I did. And, uh, you know, sometimes they'll go to, you know, Gonna take sabbatical. to take off for maybe a year or something. you know me and my wife are gonna to go to counseling um, <clears throat> I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that. when I come back, my only duties will be this for this amount of time and 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 they're rebuilding trust okay so once trust is bankrupt you you do have to rebuild it uh, because you've you know if you violated trust now with all of that said. When you have asked for forgiveness, when you've made retributions and all these things, okay, and when you've done what you were supposed to do, um, people will still try to hold you. And um, there are two very, they almost make me laugh, these scriptures in the Bible. One is Peter standing up on the day of Pentecost, which is uh, uh, 50 days basically, after he just denied Jesus Christ, okay? Um, He stands up on the Pentecost and he rebukes the whole crowd. He says, for you have denied the Lord God. (laughs) You know, he's telling them that they denied God. Well, he he just kept through doing it and cussing when he did it. But the Bible says, Jesus said, when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. So Evidently, something happened to Peter when he came back. When he repented, he was converted. He was made a new person. Paul, who who changed his name from Saul, there's a passage. Uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly where it is, um, but uh, Dr. James probably knows it. But he says at one point, he says, "I have no recollection of anything I've ever done wrong." <laughs> well, uh, we got recorded in the book of Acts, down the sixth or seventh chapter. That he was persecuting Christians. He was killing people. and he was, Or he was okaying for them to be killed. He held the jackets of the people that Stone Stephen. What do you mean you have no recollection of anything you've done, you've done wrong? Well, if any man be Christ, he's a new creature. All things have pass away. all things become new. And so he, he was a new person. He's not the same person. He even changed his name. And uh, so in Christ, we can boldly come before him. We can boldly stand as a person um, without shame, without guilt, before God, because the Bible says he justifies us. And I, uh, a good friend of mine gave me a a, a way, that I think it might have been off on the line, but justified means just as if I had never sinned, that God sees us. So, I got Jesus. so um, um, you know, all of those things in play, um, understanding that there there is a trust factor, there is restitution that needs to be, be paid and so forth. But once those things have happened, once you've done it, and, and restitution is not like infinitum. I mean, it is a set thing. Okay, this is what I'm going to do since I did that. And it's agreed upon, and Once that's done, and, you know, we can't keep going back to that same stuff that's not who I am anymore. Okay. God bless you guys. We're way over time. Um I hope that helped. Um and uh Yes it did. And, okay, praise God. And uh hopefully um I, I see the line growing more and more each week. Um I, I just thank God for all you guys and, and I I've heard great reports from you guys about, you know, how your marriage is being strengthened and um just really helping you bring you out a lot of situations, and that's what we want. Uh, we don't want you that most people wait to get totally bad before they go to marriage counseling, then it's it's too late. You know, marriage counseling usually does not help because people wait too long. But if you got maintenance, and even when things are going well, you're still strengthening those weaker parts and all those things, um, you're going to have less time to have to, mm. you have to go to you are counseling and those things. Okay. So, guys, we love you guys. Thank you guys for being on the line. Getting to pray out real quick because I got a meeting that I'm okay. headed to right now. Go ahead and pray us out, babe.
3: Hey, Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you, God, that um, your word goes out, the Father never returns void. We thank you for all of the homes that are represented on the line. We thank you, Father God, that their lives are blessed. Their families are blessed, Father God. We thank you that they're learning, God. They're growing, and they're going to apply your word to their lives, Lord, so that they can walk out your will for their lives as families, Father God. We thank you, Father, that they're going to become who you want them to be in the earth, Father. We thank you, Lord, that um, they hear your word, not be hearers only, but they are doers of your word, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that they walk in unconditional love. We walk in unconditional love with our spouses, Father, as you walk in unconditional love with us, Lord. The word of God says that um, if we don't love one another, we don't love you, Father. So we thank you, Lord, that we love our spouses, we love our families, Lord, and we think and believe the best of them, and we believe, that, Father, that um, your will will come to pass in their lives, Father God, as you predestined before the foundation of the world. We thank you, we love you, we give you all the honor and praise and glory. In the name of Jesus we pray,
0: amen. 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 you, guys. Hey, uh... As soon as I can get up probably in the next 10 minutes. And, uh, go on and listen. And also, um, send it out to other couples. And, uh, you know, you know with things. I mean, I don't know a married couple that doesn't need what we've been talking about because at some point everybody's spouse starts tripping, and at some point you, the spouse, is tripping. So God bless you guys. Uh, we pray for you guys every Tuesday morning at 5.30 a.m. on this same call, um, and that's part of your strengthening as well. That we, You've got a team of people that are dedicated to praying for you. God bless you guys, and uh, we'll see you next week.